Hi there, this is Francisca Italy, and I'm the author of Social Media for Small Business, Marketing Strategies for Business Owners, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know, and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message indicating you're a listener so I won't mistake you for a spammer and ignore you, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. I do this podcast to help me and my listeners keep up with the latest ideas that matter most in the quickly changing and somewhat overwhelming world of modern marketing and sales. My day job is running a marketing agency that helps manufacturers and industrial companies grow their revenue. To learn more about the problems we solve and how we do it, visit salesartillery.com. All right, enough yakking. Let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Franziska Easily to talk about her book, Social Media for Small Business, Marketing Strategies for Business Owners, published by Wiley. Franziska Easily is an entrepreneur and the co-founder of Basic Bananas, the business hood, the data people, and ocean lovers. She's a marketing brand strategist, adventurer, and speaker. She's a board member at the Global Entrepreneurs Organization and also sits on the UN subcommittee to support the UN's sustainable development goals through entrepreneurship. She's the co-author of two best-selling books, Bananas About Marketing and Perception, and she's the author of The Courage Map, which included a foreword by Richard Branson. Franziska is regularly featured in the media, including Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Business Insider, Virgin In-Flight Entertainment, Cosmopolitan, Smart Company, and many others. And interesting fact, on one of her recent adventures, she rode her motorcycle 12,000 kilometers from her native Switzerland to Kazakhstan along the Silk Road. Franziska, congratulations on social media for small business, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So you rode 12,000 kilometers just to meet Borat? <laughs> you know what? It was such an incredible journey. And I actually did watch that movie again, Borat, on a ferry across to Turkmenistan just for, you know, just for fun. And I realized how bad it is and how disrespectful it is. <laughs> and and when I went to Kazakhstan, I asked people about it and they all hate it. They're oh, really it, obviously, because it's it's making fun of a few things. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard about that. But um, anyway, yeah. I just I, you said Kazakhstan, and I, I unfortunately I think yeah. more people associate Borat with Kazakhstan than unfortunately yeah. than anything else. So now you also you made videos of your motorcycle adventure, and mm-hmm. I watched several of them. And at one point, you I think you may have still been you were somewhere in Europe, but you didn't have any brakes. And you had to stop yeah. somewhere. And as a motorcycle rider, I had to wonder, were front and rear brakes out? And or did you just use the compression of the engine to to slow down until you could get to a repair shop? Oh, I wonder if that was 
if that was on the journey to Italy. So there were two occasions. One, I was going down to Italy with a girlfriend. There was two of us and my brakes just <laughs> stopped working. The front brake still had a little bit of, of juice in it. So we just stopped at the next mechanic and it took about seven Italians to... <laughs> To look at it they were all just excited obviously because there's two girls riding motorbikes so it was a very easy fix but when I was in Tajikistan towards the end of my long trip I rode off a cliff and <laughs> my bike pretty much broke oh no were you yeah, injured not a lot just uh, just bruises everywhere I was definitely very 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 fortunate I was riding with two other guys and they the guy behind me, he thought, um, that's it. That's the end of Francisca. He didn't see me. It was dark. And oh. they both said, my bike is done. They, I couldn't walk down the cliff to look at it, but they did. And they said, this bike is done. So we, I had to go on the back of my other, my friend's bike to go to the next village, which was three, still three hours away at midnight. We got there. And the next day I found someone to go remove the bike off the cliff for me with a few local Tajikistan guys and I asked him I said hey mechanic and you know I didn't speak uh, Tajik and this guy didn't speak English he's like yeah mechanic so drove the bike to a mechanic and he spent seven hours with two other guys pretty much fixing the bike to make it rideable again and he he used a baby stroller handle to fix the brake my <laughs> the goodness brake. yeah now was, was that amazing. was that on one of the videos that maybe I just haven't seen yet it's one of the later videos. Oh. Yeah, it's the if you look at the Tajikistan one, there, there's an episode on Tajikistan. There's definitely some of that on there. Oh, interesting. Well, as soon as yeah. well, I'm going to wrap up the interview right now so I can go watch that <laughs> episode. Yeah. So and also, it's a good episode. I uh, some years ago, you were also an intern growing up in Switzerland at a Swiss bank. And so, when you're from Switzerland, <laughs> is that like required by law that you have to work at a bank? It is so cliche. It was one of my first internships. I was I was still in high school, I think. And yeah, I mean, here's the funny thing. My I have one brother, he's older, and he he works in a Swiss bank in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> well, each family has to contribute one banker, right? I think so, yeah. So so I tried. I did an internship and I didn't particularly enjoy it. But then luckily, my brother, who is the good kid in the family, he, he went for it. He's, a, he's a pretty much a Swiss banker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the title of the book is Social Media for Small Business, but the dirty little secret, I don't know if you've been told this, but many of the things that are in the book apply to large companies too, Absolutely. at large companies uh, which are not doing still not doing it right. So, I mean, yes, this is definitely great for a small business person, a small business owner who maybe is uh, sticking the toe in the in the social media water, but a lot of this applies to really big companies too. So, um, also, I should add that, you know, warm the cockles of my heart, the first quarter of the book, really, more or less, isn't necessarily about social media. Mm. It, in other words, it sets the stage uh, for a strong marketing foundation. And I also remember a few years back, there was a book called The Zen of Social Media by uh, Shama Haider, the first third of her book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't really understand social media unless you understand all the exactly. aspects of the business and the, and the strategy and, and so forth. So let me start with an excerpt. It's highly unlikely that a majority of your customers use social media channels to connect, communicate, and shop, which makes social media a very powerful tool for business owners. 
The purpose of these platforms is for you to connect with your customers, network with potential strategic partners, attract prospects, build relationships, collaborate with brands, create communities, and share brilliant content to build authority, which leads to trust and increased sales. And yet you go on to write that despite this, very few businesses use social media in the most effective way. What's been your experience? Why is that still uh, a fact of life for so many businesses not using it correctly? Yeah, you made a really good point where, you know, you mentioned that the first sort of third of the book is about strategy. And then the last, the, you know, three thirds are about the tactics, social media tactics. And what I see a lot of business owners do, whether large or small marketers often just go into the tactics and, and it's all, so how can I get more likes and how can I get more followers? And it's all about that rather than well, what's my strategy behind it? Why do I need more likes or followers? And, and who are these people that I need? And the, the interesting thing about social media is, which is a misconception, is that people often think that you need a lot of followers to be successful on social media, but rather than a huge amount of following, what you want is an engaged amount of following, an engaged audience. And so, start with strategy first i would always say it needs to social media is not a magic pill yes social media is and that's the other thing you know as soon as as soon as you talk about social media and also this book this book was such a massive success just because of the title because everyone goes and i've written three books before and this one is not my favorite one <laughs> but this one is one of the most popular ones <laughs> Why, because, why is this not one of your favorite ones? Okay, here's a little... I've never had an author say that, but um, <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Well, I'm very honest. So there's a little bit of a backstory about this book and, and why I maybe would have not necessarily written it. It's because with the previous three books, the last one that I wrote, which has the foreword by Richard Branson Wiley, who is a great publisher, global publisher, they approached me and they wanted to publish my last book. I already promised it to someone else, so I, I couldn't do it with them. And so during the pandemic last year, or yeah, last year that was, they approached <laughs> it me It seems again. like it's been longer than <laughs> it has. It's like, how long have we been in this pandemic? <laughs> Five years ago? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they, they approached me again and they said, hey, we have a book that we need to to, for someone to write and it is on social media strategies for business and you seem to do a lot of work in this space with your clients at Basic Bananas There's, you have probably a lot of case studies and I said well I do it's definitely a book that I can write it's probably also one of the easier books for me to write because it's less you have you know in, in a lot of books you have to be a little bit more conceptual here it's just this is how you do it mm -hmm. basically and so I said I will write this one but only if you will give me a deal for another one after, which I have another idea for another book that I really want to write, which is on brand strategy. Oh, really? So that was the deal. Yeah. Wow. Well, if you write that next one, I know this guy in the United States who, who does this podcast where he interviews authors. Of, oh, yeah. What's it called? What's uh, it called? I don't know. I, I can't remember the name. I just know the, the host isn't really that sharp, but his guests are phenomenal. So I can put you in touch with him. I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember fantastic. that. Yeah. So now 
what I wanted to mention was, I wanted to jump ahead. There was a, a part where you write that many businesses, just to reinforce what you already mentioned, many businesses dive straight into social media without having a clue about their brand and, and marketing strategy. And the ones that have a well-thought-through brand strategy are the ones that stand out. So I just wanted to sort of put a period at the end of that sentence idea about why a great social media book doesn't jump right in with you know the the, the shiny objects. Exactly. But- Knowing that there are some folks out there, I guess, I don't know, maybe there were 10 years ago, but they're thinking, oh, I don't know, social media, that's what the kids do, you know. <laughs> uh, you tackle that pretty much head on on page three. And I'd, I'd like to ask you, you know, why should we even care about social media or why should that business owner who's sitting there with their arms crossed, sitting in traffic right now, listening to this interview, why should they care about social media? Yeah, it's a great question. And and there are definitely some cha channels out there right now that are used by the kids, as you say, that maybe are not ready yet for us business owners to be used, but they may mature and become great marketing tools. A lot of the channels that are already out there, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, are such great tools because you have to ask yourself as a business owner, where are my audiences? Where are the people that I want to work with? If they are on any of these channels, and often you don't even need to use all of them. You can just go, you know what? The, ma the majority of my people are on Facebook. That's where you want to be. The other reason is, so first you want to be where your people are. The second reason is that social media is such an exponential tool. So with the more traditional marketing, and I used to work in advertising, doing a lot of more the traditional type marketing above the line stuff, where you sort of publish something, maybe on a billboard, a newspaper, TVC, and it's that's it. You just pay a lot of money and it's it's out there and hopefully someone that is in your demographic will see it. With social media, it's got this exponentiality to it where you publish something and if it's good content, someone else might reshare it and then mm -hmm. someone else might reshare it. And it's it's got this almost, <laughs> this is the wrong word to use in this time of, of where we live in. It's almost got this contagiousness about it. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really does. Where, where you can you can have so much more exposure now without a lot of cash. And that's the third thing that is really cool about social media for especially businesses on a smaller budget. I feel like social media has really leveled the playing field. When I was in advertising, it was a lot about, that. that's 13, 14 years ago, it was a lot about who has the biggest budgets in terms of marketing budgets. They are usually the companies that will be seen by the most people. But that's not anymore the case because now with social media, you don't need massive budgets to to reach a large audience. And then, then the last thing I would say is just how targeted you can be mm -hmm. with social media. In the traditional marketing sense with, with newspaper ads, etc., it was a lot about doing mass marketing. Just Let's just get something out there. And it was a little bit more about brand awareness. With social media, you can... If you run paid ads, which people should do, and there's a whole segment in the book about it, mm -hmm. you can be so specific with who you want your ad to be seen by, which is very useful. Oh, absolutely. And we'll talk about that. And I came from the same background, big advertising agencies, and it really was 
about the uh, size of the client's budget. You could almost yeah. correlate that to the market share gains. <laughs> yeah, but now it's not, not so much. And this concept that in, is in your book, you call it the leverage principle. And it's this whole idea of exponential versus linear. And you write that it's mm-hmm. not the big budgets that slam small ones anymore. The power is no. in the hands of the people. And I, I can't resist. The, the whole point of the book, there, it, there's another ch- uh, quote on page five that I – and I, I promise I'll, I'll stop quoting, but right, <laughs> another big challenge businesses have when it comes to using social media is the lack of a strategy. They just randomly post content without a plan, which makes their approach very scattered and unorganized. After a few months of non-results, many give up with a big sigh saying that, Social media doesn't work for my business. It's not that social media doesn't work for your business. It's more likely that you didn't have a plan and gave up too early, which, and I mentioned this on a recent episode years ago, back in my ad days, I can remember being at a chamber of commerce function and some business owner was talking about how he grew his IT firm. And I don't remember much of what he said, but because I was an advertiser, I remember him (laughs) saying, let me tell you something, advertising doesn't work. I ran an ad once. Nothing happened. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exact same thing. And so I just kind of have to I have to chuckle when I, I hear that. But then, I'm sorry, but on that same page, you say you have a subhead, which is what you've already mentioned. There's no magic pill. And then you quote, Francisca, just give me the magic pill. <laughs> Apparently, you hear that a lot. I do. Hey, and I'm really actually enjoying you quoting the book because I haven't looked at it since publishing it. And I must say it's pretty good. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And that's why I'm quoting all the good parts because it makes me sound so smart. Uh, And me too. It makes me sound very smart. Oh, I know. But but seriously, there there were things in here where I thought I was in a support group for, you know, agency people who have run out of ways to explain things. And, you know, it's funny, there was a, uh, I posted on LinkedIn that I was going to be interviewing you and a lot of people chimed in and they were very interested. And uh, one one person said uh, to me, you know, are, are some, he has some question about, are, are there some books you don't learn anything from? And I said, I'm still waiting for that to happen. But what's interesting, of course, every book I read, I learn a lot. And there's a lot of things where I'm almost embarrassed, like, wow, how did I how did I not learn that until the 350th book or whatever? But what really excites me about getting to do this show and interview you know, glamorous people like yourself is that I get to see how somebody explains something that I'm actually somewhat familiar with, but marvel at how they explain something that I think was going to help me in the future. To, and, I, and so I will be stealing liberally from your book, Francisca, with full attribution, though. You are though. so welcome. You are so welcome. I agree, though. It it is about because as we you know as we know how many social media books are out there or branding books or any kind of book that you have featured on the show. But it's always about seeing different perspectives and and on some of these perspectives the penny will drop. It's like oh, now I get it. And that 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 was the purpose of this book again is to to make it so understandable that for people that maybe don't necessarily even enjoy social media or or want to get better at it, the penny will drop in some of the parts and go, "Ah, oh, now I get it." Yes, there's an expression I've heard that I think applies here, which is when the student is ready, the teacher mm-hmm. appears mm-hmm. and uh, i'm I'm sure that'll that'll happen for some folks now again. I know this may sound kind of obvious, 
<laughs> on chapter two, I'm going to read the title of the chapter. It's called, What is Social Media? <laughs> and you write, social media is a way for people to share ideas, thoughts, and information and network virtually and to build communities. There are two key elements to social media that are important to understand. Okay, listener, are you ready? Social and number two, media. <laughs> ex- explain, ex- believe it or not, explain those two things, which a lot of companies still miss. Yeah, that that is the point, you know, that you started with this interview is the most important thing to understand is that these tools are called social, not narcissistic media. Right. And <laughs> You're stealing all my and, jokes. That was on the next page. Yeah, no. Oh, no. Sorry no, no. no, it's so true. I had to laugh because otherwise you would call it narcissistic media. Exactly. Oh, I'm stealing that. Exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to steal that. And, and it just makes sense when, once you explain it this way. So social media started when when some of the first social tools came out. Was The purpose was to connect. With people, Facebook, for example, as we all know, started on a was it ha- uh, Harvard or Facebook? It was started, yeah, at, at Harvard. Harvard, I believe, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, to connect students mm-hmm. and for them to build communities. And as social media became more mature and more adopted by a larger market, and then used as a marketing tool, suddenly it lost a little bit of that social aspect. And people started to just <laughs> look at it as a narcissistic self-promotional tool with selfies and you know that whole sort of movement started. Now, if we go back to the core of social media and we think about, wait a second, this tool is for me as a business owner to be social, to connect, to see it as a two-way street, to engage, to build communities, to add value. If we look at social media in that light, this is when you will do really good work on social media. This is where you will publish great content. And, and this is where you will gain an engaged following. Maybe not a massive following, but an engaged following with the right people. Right. You don't need you don't need a big audience. You need an engaged exactly. audience. And exactly. it wasn't. I remember years ago seeing Seth Godin give a keynote, and he was explaining that you know the internet and social media was not invented for businesses to advertise necessarily, like newspaper exactly. was or the radio. Exactly. So keep that in mind. This wasn't really the. It wasn't really the same thing. And again, uh, two other great quotes. The big don't beat the small anymore. Money does help, but money is just a magnifier of things. If your content sucks, money will magnify that. <laughs> wow, that's a great quote. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, it's great. It's for the whole book. Marketing is the oxygen of your business, and unfortunately, not many business owners get this right. So, Francisca, do you consider yourself a maverick? Look, people, <laughs> people call me a maverick. I mean... I used the word maverick in the book for principles. Yes. Maverick social principles. I was wondering if you could explain these maverick principles. I love this. Yeah. So I started the book also with the maverick principles. Again, this is sort of a framework to give people that they can refer back to throughout the book. So I I share these principles and I'll share them here. And then throughout the book, I go, remember principle two, which is A, audience Remember that principle yeah, yeah, that yeah. needs to be applied? Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. And so Maverick is 
an acronym and I'll just quickly walk you through each of the letters. These are, are eight things that every business owner, every every marketer, everyone who uses social media, and to be honest, any type of marketing can use. So number one is momentum. And this one is, you mentioned this before, it's about not giving up too early. Mm-hmm. It's about having a, having a plan and then putting in consistency and focus and wait for your social channels to gain some momentum. It, it doesn't happen overnight. It really takes, it takes consistency. Mm-hmm. The second one is A, audience. And we've talked about this too already. I mean, we've talked about a lot in a short amount of time because I think we both speak so fast, <laughs> which I like for the audience. I think for our listeners, they, they get a double the value. <laughs> but the, the audience is so often overlooked because it's mm-hmm. the narcissistic thing. Exactly. Exactly. Now, for some people that, that post selfies all day long, for some that maybe they don't have a channel for business, but it's maybe personal use, to be honest, their audience might like to see all these selfies. Sure. If we look at a lot of the, the Instagram models, their audiences probably enjoy seeing naked or half-naked people. That's, that's, that's totally also okay. So we need to just have the audience in mind and we need to think about who are the people in my business that I would like to attract more of. And then the and the in the show notes, can you share mm-hmm. with me exactly where I can find these half naked people? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm it's not true. really following them, but you'll you'll if you just go on Instagram and just you know Google Instagram model and stuff, you'll find them. Okay, I'll be right back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's so, M- yeah. M A momentum and audience. And then value is the third one, and that's we've already talked about that real briefly too. Always lead with value, and it's about quality not quantity. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of business owners here in our community at Basic Bananas and they're like, oh, Francisca, I can't publish every day or twice a day or five times a day. I just don't have the capacity. Often, if it's a small business owner, they're the ones that have to do everything. So this seems very daunting. So I always say, just do good stuff and maybe do it three, four times a week. And then, as we mentioned before, money can amplify what you're doing. So just put a little bit of money behind the good stuff and it will amplify your effort mm-hmm. rather than doing 10 things a week that you don't have time for. Next one is enjoyment. And this one is a personal favorite because if a business owner, as I mentioned, has to do their own channels, they maybe don't have the funds yet to hire someone to help them with their social media, I would really look at the channels that you also enjoy. Mm-hmm. So Number one, look at where your audience is. Number two, out of, let's say, four channels where your audience is, which two do you enjoy? For me personally, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. So I personally don't use Twitter. For our business, we have a team that does our social media. We use it. So just go where you enjoy. Number five is relationships. So we mentioned this too. It's about being social. It's about building relationships. It's about connecting. And we need to think a little bit, this is a strategy here, a tactic. We need to think a little bit beyond just posting stuff and think about, okay, relationships. How do we build relationships? In the old days, it was mainly either face-to-face or phone or fax mm-hmm. or, or emails. But now, if we think about it, so many 
people are now messaging each other through Messenger, WhatsApp, the DM, direct messages on whether that is on Instagram or LinkedIn or any channel, that's where you want to be. So you really want to leverage these these messaging applications within the social channels to build relationships, not just rely on email and, and text messages. Mm-hmm. Number six is improvement. And as with anything, you continuously want to improve on what you're doing. And the best way on social media to do that is to maybe once a week or if you're too busy, maybe once a month, look at your analytics. All of these tools have really, really good inbuilt analytics that you can look at. You can see who your audience is. You can see the demographics, male, female, where they live, what their interests are. You can see what they engaged with in terms of your content. You can see what didn't work so well. And then you just improve mm-hmm. your content. Number seven is consistency. Well, also, let me add to that. Mm-hmm. Continuously improve. You don't have to be perfect to get started. Far from it. I think imperfection is... It, I wrote about imperfection in my last book. I think imperfection is actually quite beautiful because it's it's raw and it's it's real. And we're all imperfect. Imperfect is beautiful. <laughs> right. And that's why you, you even talk about the appeal of, of Facebook Live because it's, yeah. it's real. It's unscripted. It's not so polished, which people are much more suspicious of than they'll than they'll admit to. People love it. People love their lives because we can stuff up, you know, life on camera, which is obviously makes it more authentic. Mm-hmm. Number seven is consistency. We mentioned that before and you mentioned it also with having a strategy before you dive into these channels and and you go about working them. Have a strategy in place that helps you to be consistent with your brand. And I could talk about branding all day long. It's my favorite topic to talk about. The most important thing is that- You should write a book that, about it. <laughs> exactly. I have written one and then now the next one is hopefully going to be another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, for all you people at Wiley, you know, just listen up, folks. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm still working on the on the proposal. It's not there yet. Okay. <laughs> so so for, for consistency, we just want to make sure that your brand is- portraying the same image across every touch point. If you don't have consistency, people will get confused. If somewhere they see you do something and then somewhere else, it's like different vibe, different style. And it's not just about the colors. It's about your language. It's about how you show up. It needs to be consistent. And if you are consistent, people will trust you. They will have a brand familiarity and that will lead to trust. And yes. trust leads to sales. Absolutely. And otherwise, it's like a continuity error in a movie <laughs> where you see yeah. the actor wearing two different outfits yeah. or something. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's and confusing. Like, outfits, you can definitely wear two different outfits, but you just in terms of your even your character or, or right. your style. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And then the last one is kindness. And this is a big one. This is also a big one that I continuously reinforced with our team here is always respond with kindness and the thing it's it's probably calmed down a little bit but that there's still a little bit of sort of what's the word snarky mm-hmm. like there's still there are still people out there that that because you can be anonymous on social media you can just set up a profile and and you don't have to face someone there are people out there that get a buzz out of being trolls and and saying nasty things on on people's content and 
I feel like the only way to deal with that is to respond with kindness. Or as you so say that- in the book, Kill it with kindness. Yeah, kill it with kindness. Even, you know, there's so much gossip and bad mousing. I would never, uh, this is a principle in business, not just social media. I would never, as a business owner or any person, <laughs> in fact, bad mouth anyone, especially also not competitors. It just looks bad. It just looks bad. If, if I talk to someone, let's say if I want to hire a design agency and they bad mouth their competitors, I'm not going to work with them mm-hmm. because it just doesn't it's not a good reflection on on their character so always respond with kindness if somebody says something nasty they probably don't even know it don't know you they maybe they had a bad day just kill it with kindness yeah you know that immediately makes me think of a salesperson on a sales call and they'll uh, maybe they'll be calling on a company and they'll say well we've been working with a a firm like yours uh and what the one thing you never want to do is is jump in with them and start attacking that firm. You should say, "Oh, really? Who have you been working with?" And even if you've never heard of them, uh, not a bad idea is to say, "Oh, I've heard good things about them." <laughs> Just yeah. don't take the bait, yeah. and then if necessary, they can say, "Well, maybe they're not that," uh, but they can tell you more. But it's just it's it's so easy to um, get sucked into that, but it's also really easy to avoid it. And you'll be happier and it's good for your mental health and all that sort of thing. So there was, uh, I wanted to jump ahead to uh, another section about, you know, building your whole marketing machine. And this part applies to any aspect of business. And it's one of the probably top five things that just keeps coming up over and over in over the three, in the over 300 uh, books that I've had on the show. And it's about understanding your customer. And yet, Mm -hmm. it's simple to say that, but it's really difficult for companies to do. You write, the best marketing communication is when your words equal your ideal customer's thoughts. Truly understanding your audiences is one of the most important elements of your social media strategy. So naturally, that was another amen for me. But I wanted to ask you to explain this concept on page 24 that I had not seen, and this would work so beautifully in a workshop, whether like if I was with clients or if I was a marketer and I was trying to help guide my company. And it's this desires versus frustrations matrix. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'd never seen it, this before. It is. I might even go one step further. I just pulled up a um another framework that we use here that I didn't include in the book that it goes even one step further but to start off with the with the desires and frustrations matrix a really good practice practice to do is think about your best customer or customers or clients and then think about what are their desires and what are their frustrations when it comes to working with someone like you and then the the we we even categorize them into the more spoken desires, so something that people would openly speak about, right. and then maybe some more of the sort of unspoken yes. ones. So yes, let's Th- say and that's I, for me. That's where the power yeah, is. That is where the power is. So if we give a practical example, let's say a fitness business. What would and let's say my ideal market is a woman aged between thirty and fifty. Now, what are some of her desires if she goes to, let me, maybe we do a yoga studio or Pilates studio. Her desire, of course, is to get fit. Her desire is to feel great in her own skin. 
maybe her desire is her frustration might be that she finds it really hard to be motivated to do exercise. What are some of the unspoken ones? And these are things that you really need to study and and talk to people about. Maybe some of the unspoken ones would be that that her partner is doesn't look at her anymore the same way that he used to. She feels ignored. She feels unimportant. She would like to be a role model for her kids. Mm-hmm. She would love her friends to go, oh my God, you look like you have everything perfectly under control. <laughs> you know, things like that. And these are, these are very powerful things to know about your audience. It's so true. And, uh, you know, the, the, there's, there's even other things where, you know, she might want to uh, be part of community. She wants to be with other like-minded yeah. people, all those kinds of things yeah. that sadly yes. companies, you know, skip over. But then yes. on the very next page, you write, okay, how to research your audiences. Okay. And now is everybody ready for this? This is the secret stuff. Okay. Francisca writes, there are many ways to get audience intel, and to discover people's emotional triggers. Here are my three favorite ones. And the first one, big headline, speak to people. <laughs> I, I, I still think that's the hardest thing for companies to do. You know, you can look at analytics, yeah. you can do surveys, but just go yeah. talk to people. I agree. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, they, they make it seem like it's the hardest thing. And to be honest, my, my companies here are, we're in the same bucket, you know, like, especially if you work with also a younger team, it's like, well, why don't we just, you know, look on the internet <laughs> or, you know, why don't we just do an online survey? And I always have to push everyone, talk to people, talk yes. to people. And just to, to keep it practical, I can't resist. You even included a possible phone script, okay? Now, this doesn't mean leaving a voice message. This means actually talking to somebody or maybe even meeting them. And you yeah. write, hi, Rudy. It's Jody here from XYZ. Thank you so much for working with us, buying our product, service, whatever. We are always looking for ways to provide even more value. So I was wondering if you could help me with a few quick questions. What do you love most about working with us? Why do you use our products and services? What what kind of outcomes do you get? And the second question is, what are you most frustrated about when it comes to our, our industry, whatever industry you're in? And then the third question is, what is one thing that we, we could improve on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. they'll never have been asked that, I guarantee you. And it's so simple. Oh. It's so simple. You know, we just did a whole bunch of, we have a branding agency and and one of our clients is in New Zealand. Oh, is that and, the business hood? Yeah, the business hood, exactly. Uh-huh. And my team, just we have a, a client and I was going to show you this customer avatar that we put together for them. My team got permission to talk to some of their customers on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine. Congratulations. And, <laughs> yes. And the insights that they got from these customers are incredible. When When the data was presented to the owners, they're like, wow. They had no idea that that's how the customers feel. Yes. Oh, I it's have in, been at those yeah. meetings. It is just amazing. Yes. And and you know what? It's so interesting because people, and remember in advertising, it was all about let's do focus groups. No, that is such BS. We've had so many clients also in our branding agency, the business suit, that go, hey, we want to do focus group. We're like, uh, well, we're not going to do them. So you can go <laughs> somewhere else if you want to do focus groups. They're like, because focus groups are not real. You put a bunch yes. of people into a room and you act as if. Wow. Whereas if you talk to people that actually have worked with you and that, that have experienced your services, you get real feedback. 
So mm. real quick, I want to give you this. It's not in the book. So this is an extra bonus. Oh, we- so this is a marketing book podcast extra. Exactly, it is. And I've never shared this on a podcast. So there you go. Okay. So we now have- <laughs> you people wonder why you listen to this show. There you go. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. So other than the, the desires and frustrations, I'm just looking at the graphics here. You, you can put together these customer avatars where you figure out who is your perfect customer. And you might have three, four of these personas. Mm-hmm. You give them a name and then you also put age, gender, location, relationship status, level of education, income, etc. So the more demographic stuff. And then you also can put stuff like the daily routine. So how do they spend their days? Mm. You can put personal interests, which you actually find in the analytics too. You can put also what are their sources of information. So what's their favorite social channel? What's their favorite website? What's their favorite podcast? Obviously, the marketing book podcast in my dreams but thank you yes (laughs) and then also the next part is their business goals or personal desires which we've talked about then the next one is we've talked about biggest challenge and the last one what objections do they have Mm, so that's sort of a, a whole that's a whole holistic approach to doing a customer avatar other than the the challenges and desires well, let me just jump ahead because there's there's so much to talk about, but um, I wanted to ask you to explain this this concept of owning the customer journey. This is really, really important. You write the, yeah. this is on page 35, the businesses that are really good at owning the customer journey by making every touch point consistently reflect their brand and add value are the ones that generally get the business. Can you say more about that? That is so important. Yeah, and this is comes back to our brand strategy. It's actually, I'm going to give our listeners uh, one of my favorite activities or exercises you can do either on your own or with your team. We do it with our team. And here's how it works. Well, first I'll tell you why, but you've already shared why. So when you have all your touch points aligned and consistent, whenever your prospects or clients or customers see you, you want them to know that, oh, this is these guys. You want to have this consistency, which creates brand awareness. Now, here's how you go about it. What you want to do is list all of your touch points first. So this might be, and do a brainstorm with, with your team if you have a team. This can be obviously your social media channels, your website, your email signature, the way you, you pick up the phone, your invoices, your proposals, your slide decks, whatever else touch point you have out there, your premises, if you have a shop, write them all down and then think about how can you reflect your brand identity? And you can read about it in the book, how to get there. How can you reflect your brand identity across each of these touch points? Mm -hmm. So for example, if your brand identity, and this is one of our brand identity here at Basic Browns is playful, playfulness, then we think about, okay, how can we make our email signature a little bit more playful? For us, we have an email signature customized for each team member that includes something a little bit personal about the team, each team member. For example, it on my one, it says currently obsessed with discovering new music. Please send me some ideas. So that's one touch point. How can we, we had a mechanic actually once and he made his invoice more approachable. One of his identity characters were being more approachable. So he had, he had on there 
all the items listed for the car that you need to pay for. And then it said, it said, cuddles for your car free. <laughs> ah, now did you hire a mechanic at your firm so that the mechanic could also work on your motorcycle? <laughs> no, luckily my motorbikes here in Australia are not that high maintenance like the one that I had in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> or what's left of it, yeah. Yeah, it's actually none left. I left it in Kazakhstan, my motorbike. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was. I sold it to a local guy for not much money. It was, it was not rideable much anymore. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I like. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, let me ask, uh, I want to ask you this about this other idea called the, your, your content bucket method. And you write that one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of businesses make is just, again, talking about themselves on channels, on their own channels all day long, mm -hmm. which can get a bit uh, boring for their audiences. Yeah. I mean, even their moms aren't that interested in what they're saying. <laughs> but explain this content bucket method and how that can help you know, ameliorate that. Yeah, it's a really great strategy to when you think about putting together a content plan for your business. And by the way, I just asked my team yesterday, we have a website that I can maybe share at the end where people can download these frameworks, whether they buy the book or not. They can download the content buckets. They can download a content plan. They can download a whole bunch of, of frameworks. Oh, yeah. And I'm happy to share it. Is that so, at basicbananas.com slash social media? Exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah, Absolutely. I'll include that on the, yeah. on the website page so folks can yeah. find it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. It's included in the book, but anyone who doesn't have the book can go there too. So with how this content bucket works is you want to, as you said, you want to make sure your audience finds your content engaging enough to come back. And that often means not just only talking about your business or yourself, because that gets a bit boring. So how you go about it is you think about what else is your audience interested in? Maybe they're interested in, definitely, I would always have a bucket, which is behind the scenes. This is really funny. I think mm. I talk about it in the book. Mm -hmm. Whenever we, we do a lot of great content on marketing frameworks and support, and we put a lot of time into that. And then every now and then we post a behind the scenes photo, maybe a pizza party that we've had. And we get more engagement <laughs> on the freaking pizza party than we get on the content that we have spent a lot of time putting together. So the behind the scenes stuff is definitely a bucket I would include. Then another bucket that you want to include is obviously definitely about your business or your product. Another one might be, client stories, customer stories. Another one might be, what else is your audience interested in? Maybe they're interested in some in some news about your area or depending on what you do in, mm -hmm. in your business. So for us, we also include, even though we are marketing, we also include a little bit about leadership. That's one of our buckets. And a little bit about sales on a smaller scale. Also sharing other people's content. Yes, Everyone thinks they have to do their own, but it's like, no, no, no. no. You're, you're curating. I mean, look at me. I don't write Absolutely. these books. <laughs> yeah, you're a great example of that, actually. Yeah. Another one is how-to. I mean, I could think of a restaurant yes. saying, hey, let us show you a couple things. If you can't make yes. it into the restaurant, let us show you a couple things we can cook right here. Exactly. I'm the chef. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. The, the content bucket method. I just think it's funny that you get so much engagement behind the scenes. And it just makes people seem more human. I love watching things like that. So Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, get into some of the more specifics. You say that 
some companies rely only on Facebook and Instagram advertising for their business, which is actually not something you recommend. Why do you why do you say that? Yeah, it's a bit risky. So we talk a lot about here in terms of your overarching marketing strategy. If your bis- business, and we've seen this just recently, if your business only relies in order to attract customers only relies on Facebook and Instagram advertising, but has no other marketing platforms in place like direct mail or partnerships or, or, or a website. PR or yeah. Yeah. Having, I mean, the website is sort of a given, but let's say even going to events or sponsorships, mm-hmm. if you only rely on, on doing advertising to your website, but only using Facebook and Instagram, it's risky when these channels change or when you suddenly, let's say if your account gets hacked, I've had a business the other day, a jewelry business, and they've had a massive Instagram audience, hundreds of thousands of followers. They somehow got hacked and their business went from hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue monthly to almost nothing because they couldn't advertise anymore. They got it back up after a while, but it took a while to to navigate through this with Instagram. That's a very risky way to run a business. So you you want to make sure you diversify your channels. And l- just recently too, with the latest iOS changes on the phone where people can opt out of now having information collected about them, mm-hmm. it screwed up a lot of people that only do Facebook and Instagram advertising. Mm. We saw yeah. a change too. We We saw a drop in the way that we collected leads into our pipelines through these changes. But luckily we have other channels that sort of help to to even it out a bit. Yeah, so so spread your bets. Um mm-hmm. the but I you know I mentioned the website and I I guess I was surprised that this was in the book, but I I gather that this may still be a big problem for particularly small or new businesses. You write I've overheard marketers give business owners the not so amazing advice to not worry about building a website and instead only have a Facebook page. That's not very smart because you don't want to rely purely on Facebook to grow your business. And if Facebook decides to make a change or people stop using it, this could be detrimental for your business growth. Use your Facebook page to drive traffic to your website. Let me just read that again. Use your Facebook page to drive traffic to your website. I guess that's that must be a, enough of a problem that you are still having to explain yeah, that to people. Absolutely. And then there's almost like the next step. So use your Facebook page or Instagram page to drive traffic to your website. And then on your website, have a way to capture your audience into your own system. Because when you have that, when you have an audience in your own system, let's say in your database management system, that are an audience of warm people or people that have bought from you in the past or are going to buy from you in the future, you will, if you, if that's a decent enough size, you will never run out of business because all you need to do is when you have a new product release or when you have space, if you run a consultancy, if you have space for a new client, you just email your database and you let them know. And maybe someone knows someone that but- wants to work with you. Absolutely, but Francisca, I want a magic pill. You're talking about interrelated things. <laughs> no, this it sounds is, work. This sounds is like work. <laughs> yeah, this is getting complicated. No, seriously, this is a book on social media, and there's another part where you explain the wonders and the glories of email marketing when done right. And not only that, you're talking about your website now. So you, you see how I, I 
I just keep going back to this uh, this notion I have in my head of somebody thinking, let's go do, in quotes, the word do. Let's go do social media. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a series of uh, interconnected tunnels. So It is so true. It's, it's the whole ecosystem that, that you can also find in the book. Yeah. It's having an ecosystem and using social media as one of the pieces in your ecosystem to drive people through to get them at the top end and then get them through your funnels. And then hopefully some of them will buy from you and talk about you and love you. (laughs) Yes, yes. Now, you talked earlier about how certain types of social media platforms, I guess like Facebook, certainly, uh, they're, they're really good for targeting people. And let's not forget, Facebook is an advertising platform. Okay, and I think it it really works well there. Uh, I think the organic reach of social media posts is it, it's pretty low. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, but advertising works really well. Can you explain the retargeting or, or remarketing on Facebook? That is one of the best things that uh, companies could be doing. Yeah, you know what? That is now almost a bit outdated in my book because <laughs> since so I'll quickly explain it. So remarketing was one of the most powerful ways to show your content to the right people. What you do with remarketing is people show interest in what you have shared or they might visit a specific page on your website and then you show them that content when they go somewhere else. Let's say, you know, let's say you are on a shopping website, you're looking at these fancy sneakers mm-hmm. that you don't need, but that you kind of want, but then you think, oh, no, I don't need to spend 500 bucks on sneakers. You go away from that website. Next thing you see those same sneakers pop up for you on different channels. Mm-hmm. On so on Facebook, you're like, oh, it must be a sign. I should probably buy them. And so on Facebook and Instagram, any channel, you the these platforms allow you to track what people are interested in and then you show them the right content. Now, the problem is that just recently with the changes that that iOS has made, people can opt out of being tracked. So now, remarketing still works to a certain extent, but on a smaller scale, because now we not everyone will be tracked, because you can say, I don't want Facebook to collect my data. Right, but even... On a let's say it's not you're not using Safari or an iOS product, but like on Chrome, you could be putting yeah. the pixel, uh, the yeah. Facebook pixel on your website, and then use that to to target people yeah. uh, for advertising. Right. Exactly. So it's it still works on on that scale, just not as massively as it used to work before. But it's okay because it, it is people were freaking out when this change came in. But the thing is also. A lot of the systems that you also use, let's say your, this is going to get a bit technical, but your database system, often now they have a way to feed information back into Facebook. So for our system, we can see, let's say people are buying tickets to events on or to marketing courses on our website. It goes into the CRM and then the CRM, the database system, will feed that information back into Facebook. So we will be able to now remarket to to people that have already shown interest. Mm-hmm. So so there are there are ways around it, but the thing with these channels is that they change so fast. There's always a new feature and then another feature that is not relevant anymore. It's just about, this is why, if you have a strategy in place, you have the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. If you have the ecosystem that you mentioned before, you'll be fine. You just need to 
adjust some of these knobs in your system. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, uh, let me just ask about a couple other things uh, that I found interesting. You write about LinkedIn. You have a whole chapter on it. And you write that LinkedIn is probably the most underutilized and underestimated social media platform. Why do you say that? Yeah, it really is. You know, LinkedIn is very powerful, yet I think a lot of people don't use it in that way. The reason why it's powerful is for businesses especially is because it is mainly used professionally. You don't really see too many people posting selfies or or a picture of what they just had for dinner. It is really a lot more about professional advice and, and sharing information that is useful and insightful. Also, why it's so powerful and maybe a little bit underutilized is because before pandemic, a lot of us, we would go out and about, meet people, maybe go networking, go to events. And that's how we sort of grew our network is through just meeting people and speaking at events. And then the pandemic hit and we did <laughs> nothing but sit inside, not meeting any new people. That's where LinkedIn, LinkedIn is almost like the the new way of building your network. You can go onto LinkedIn and, and network with people professionally. I mean, mm -hmm. there are some people that also send marriage proposals. Apparently, I have never gotten one. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong here, but <laughs> I know people. Well, I know at one point in the book, somebody was making comments about your feet. Yes. And yeah, yeah. And you 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 treated that with great humor because then in, as you wrote about it, you there was it was about trolls or something, and you said, "Well, thank you, I appreciate that, but please, that's inappropriate or something." Yeah, it was it was a it was actually on Facebook. We had a picture years ago of me sitting on a couch doing a, an interview, and I was barefoot. I'm always barefoot. I'm barefoot right now, and someone. A guy mentioned how sexy my feet are. That's what it was, uh, right? Yeah. So I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Not relevant to to come to the post, but thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't me. So, <laughs> well, but you also say though that you you all have found it really challenging to make LinkedIn advertising work well. Yeah, I have not seen very many people, or pretty much, I probably couldn't even name one person that has make being able to make LinkedIn advertising work for them in terms of how much you spend and the return that you get. Mm -hmm. We we have tried many different times and I'm not going to give up because I do think it's a strong platform. In terms of direct returns, maybe not so much, but in terms of maybe brand awareness and then there might be a ripple effect after that, It it I don't want to completely diss it. I just have not seen a lot of people make it work financially. Yeah, and it doesn't mean it it won't in the future. They may they may come no. up with something, but I hope that they can come up with a way to stop me from getting so many spammy uh, <laughs> LinkedIn in, in, connection invites. I know. Yeah. Now I haven't Probably, got. I'm not getting marriage proposals on LinkedIn, so <laughs> I'm, I'm also married. You must married. be doing something wrong too. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You know, let me uh, let me ask the one last thing I wanted to ask about the book. I'm just pulling out this one thing that I found very interesting. It was about about YouTube again. A whole chapter on YouTube. And you wrote, most businesses should consider setting up a YouTube channel, even if it's just to host a few videos that are also on your website's blog. And I was wondering if I, – I loved what you had on page 196, and I promise this will be the last thing about the specifics in here. But you, you talk about some of the key ingredients of great video, and you talk about emotion, education, entertainment, reality – like we were talking about, and again, consistency. I wonder if a lot of people are still surprised when you, they get 
advice like that rather than thinking they have to produce a, a feature film? Mm, that's a good, it's a good point and a good question. So really quickly back to your first comment, why I think people should have a YouTube channel. And even if they upload every now and then a video, that's great is because again, through the change of how we now operate and work and people working from home more and maybe driving less, the video media, the medium of video has really taken off. So people are listening watching more videos than before this pandemic. And we have definitely seen, you probably haven't because your podcast is the best, but we have seen many podcasts (laughs) that through the pandemic, because people are not driving so much anymore, they didn't go to the gym anymore. A lot of the the audio podcasts have slightly decreased the listeners. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, but not mine, videos, of course. No, I'm kidding. Not yours, no, of course. <laughs> everybody's went down. And actually, this is yeah. audio only. I don't even do a video version. Yeah, so. you should do a video version because what we have seen is that the audio listeners have slightly decreased because they're not driving and not stuck in traffic or at the gym. But they have the videos on YouTube have gone up like crazy. The views have gone up. So the video medium is a great one for businesses. And... When it comes to the, the thing is some people, they just, I have business owners, there's an accountant that comes to mind. He's like, I really don't like my, myself in front of a camera. I can't stand it. Oh, so I what have he a client does like now, that too. Yeah. He just freezes yeah. up. And otherwise he's the most talkative guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, I always tell, again, it goes back to the maverick principle of enjoyment. If you don't like it, don't do it. What you can do though, and what this guy is doing is screen recordings. As an accountant, for example, you can do slideshows explaining how to know your numbers, how to put together budgets, all that stuff that Mm -hmm. people need to know. So you can do different types of videos. It doesn't have to be your face. It can be something else. It can be a slideshow. And just, again, it doesn't have to be, as you said, it doesn't have to be this high production, super expensive thing that you do, depending on your business. If your business, if your brand perception is super high end and, and it is a high production type of brand, then you do. You don't want to do a hobby thing. But if you are pretty relaxed and your, your brand is, is conversational and engaging, you don't have to, you can use your iPhone. We use our iPhone a lot. <laughs> do you know, <laughs> I recently learned from uh, Joe Polizzi's book, Content Inc., the second, uh, edition that there are movies, award-winning movies that have been produced that were filmed exclusively on iPhones. Really? <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we don't have any excuse. We don't that have to amazing. go. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to go hire a production company uh, as, as the, the first step. So, well, exactly. Francisca, if, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? You know what? I think I would go back to our initial conversation about being social. So if, if you do one thing on social media, be social, be more engaging, have more conversations with people. <laughs> yes. I remember once uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was talking about how the vast majority of his tweets, this was years ago, but he said started with a, uh, a username. And what that meant I was like that. that yeah. He was, most of his tweets were responding to somebody or answering yeah. a question. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's so, it's so true. And yet, 
And yet, <laughs> the impulse is to want to talk about ourselves and our business and and shout at people. Um, so I hope you know at some point people realize that they're they're already in, invisible when they do that. So what is just one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the many ideas from the book or, or maybe one we've talked about? Yeah, I think that the number one thing which we talked about is I would suggest start by putting together your social media strategy. And secondly, once you've got that, put together a simple social media content plan, just a plan that you can follow and then you can adjust it. And as we mentioned before, there are templates of how to do that because I know it's like, well, how do I do it? You can go to basicbrands.com forward slash social media. And if you go there and you put in your details, there's a whole library of content on the back end that you can use, including even how to do advertising and stuff like that. But there's also a content plan there you can use. So I would say start with just putting together a basic plan that you can follow. That is such great advice. Before you start making noise, <laughs> yeah. do a plan. Exactly. What books have most inspired your work and very interesting career? You know, I, I think the book that most inspired me and, and it, that book came out when I started Basic Bananas about 11, 12 years ago was Richard Branson's book called Losing My Virginity. Mm. And yeah, and then just two or so years ago, I was actually on Necker Island and he just published his next book or not next, probably had a few in between called Finding My Virginity. So I'm a big fan of, of both of his works, of pretty much all of his work. In terms of a more, not a business book, growing up, I don't know why exactly, but the book that I feel has impacted me the most in my life is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And it's a fiction book and I just I, I don't know why, but I, it's one book that I recommend for everyone to read, especially for kids also, sort of teens and and people that just need a little bit of maybe guidance. It's a great book. And then I also read a lot of biographies different from different people. It can be in any field, it can be rock stars, scientists, surfers, innovators. Yeah, surfers. I haven't read a lot of surfer books, but definitely have read a lot of rock star books that it just gets gets you a little bit more into how people think to be at the top of their game so i find these very good yes i love uh i love reading biographies now let me make sure the alchemist is that who is the author Uh, paulo coelho okay yeah i see it here i'm looking it up right now that looks really interesting it's it's a, it's a great book for definitely, I would say any teen or tween should read it. But even now I'm going to read it again. I've read it a few times and it's one of these books that I, it's just, it's a bit magical, I think. Oh, interesting. I appreciate you mentioning that. I was not aware of it. It's okay. a very simple, it's a, not simple. It's a very easy read. Oh, it's good. sort of a Sunday, <laughs> rainy Sunday afternoon read. You'll read it in one day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Super. Well, are there any recent or upcoming books besides your next one? Talking, looking at you, Wiley, that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? You know, the one that I'm quite excited to read is the one by Matthew McConaughey. I never know how to say his name. I think it's called Greenlight. Have you heard of that one? I know who he is, and you pronounced his name perfectly, by the way. Oh, perfect. 
He perfect. I think he's a fantastic actor and he's written a book called Greenlight, I believe. It's come out last year or even early this year. So I'm really excited to read his book. There are also some books by oh, Brown. Green lights. Green lights. Green lights. Yeah. yeah. Green lights. Yeah. Okay. I've heard really good things about it. And so I'm really excited about that one. There's some Brene Brown books that I'd love to read still. Mm. And then there's one on my list here that, that I'm going to read. And I, the title just slipped my mind, but it's by a guy called Chris Voss. Shout out to him. And he wrote a book on, he's a hostage negotiator. Is it Never Split wrote, the Difference? Yes, exactly. Is that the one That's you want to read? One. Yep. Oh, it's great. Have you read it? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely curious about that one. And then just, you know, I also, I, I love also just for my own sort of creativity, I love reading Rumi poems and, and a bit more sort of artistic things that are, are maybe not business related. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Folks, please don't get the wrong idea. You should read more than just marketing and sales books, <laughs> especially fiction. It's really good for your, for your brain. It's great. Yes. And, and for your vocabulary. It's really good for your vocabulary. Well, it also just engages all the parts of your brain. I've just enjoyed reading mm -hmm. about uh, how fiction does uh, fiction does you good. So, well, uh, at marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include links to everything linkable, all the uh, – your, your websites, all your uh, mini companies, uh, your conglomerates. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but your site and your LinkedIn profile and the resource page at basicbananas.com where folks can go and, and uh, access some of these things. And now, a message to you, dear listener. Please do me one big favor. This is all I'm asking. Please reach out to Francisca and thank her for being a guest on the Marketing Book Podcast. There are over a million podcasts, and she has generously spent time with us on this one. You will really make her day. Um, and I, I mean, she seems pretty darn friendly to me. I think she'd, <laughs> she'd really get a kick out of hearing from you. And the other authors who've been guests on the Marketing Book Podcast has commented on how much they enjoy hearing from Marketing Book Podcast listeners. And if you have a question, ask her. I think she might even answer it for you. So I probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could even be a question about her trip to... Uh, on the Silk Road or, or, you know, motorcycle maintenance. There's any number of things, surfing techniques, all those things. So <laughs> uh, also for the listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you subscribe to the Marketing Book Podcast and your favorite podcast app, all these links can be found by going to this episode right now and clicking on the show notes link. The book is Social Media for Small Business, Marketing Strategies for Business Owners. The author is Francisca Easily. Francisca, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Douglas. It was my pleasure. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message indicating you're a listener so I won't mistake you for a spammer and ignore you, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. And remember the words of the entrepreneur and author Jim Rohn, who said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. 
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.